Hi, welcome back to Heard, a One Step Away podcast. In this episode, I speak with Maria. Maria is a 54-year-old West Philly native who has worked with One Step Away for five years. This interview was originally recorded in February 2019 in the basement of the United Methodist Church on Broad Street. This episode was recorded by Dylan Yuska, edited by Max Morgan, and produced by Emily Taylor. If you like this episode, please remember to subscribe and rate. Your support helps One Step Away lift Philadelphians out of homelessness. Oh, and please be advised that this is an explicit podcast that touches on some pretty sensitive topics and issues. My name is Maria James. I am from West Philadelphia. I was born and raised in West Philly. I am 54 years old. I distribute at 8th and Market is my location across the street from Ross on 8th Street. To me, homelessness is being without shelter, without a roof over your head. I wouldn't say it's being shunned, but people turning away from you, but is definitely having a door slammed in your face. Um, for me, it means being alone because it's no one there to really help you when you need it the most. That's what it means to me. And it means putting yourself in danger and putting risk in health too. The first time I got sick, it started off when I was in an accident. Okay, now I didn't get I guess everyone assumed I was going to get like some money or something, which I never did. And um, I was able to maintain my bills for a while, but I saw that I was not keeping up, you know, like maintaining them. So, you know, people started hitting around, then it got more severe, and then it just got ridiculous, you know, get out. If you can't give me more money than this, you have to get out. And I still prefer you not being here because this is not the actual amount we agreed to, you know. So I knew it was just a matter of time before I got put out. And I didn't really have anywhere I could honestly go. So, but then one day it, it happened like on a surprise thing. When I got put out, I didn't realize it. I was just home and all of a sudden it was like, pack up your stuff, man. We got to get out right now, blah, 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 this, that, the other. What can I do? So I left and I called a friend and they told me I could come over and stay for a little while, which I did. And then they said that they, they were moving or something. So when they moved, I didn't have, still didn't have any income. I still wasn't really able to work. I'm still sitting there hooking up to machines and everything trying to get well. And I knew I wasn't able to keep a job. And I had already lost the job I had. I couldn't go back there. So um, it happened again. This time, get out. There was two times I got evicted. So the second time I got evicted, it was really, really bad because I didn't have any sort of income. I didn't have no money saved up or nothing. So, and they wouldn't let me take my stuff. They had to leave all my belongings, which I thought was strange. Um, the owner of the building said, all this stuff is mine. You know, I couldn't take nothing with me. Everything, my clothes, I couldn't pack nothing. So, it, which was real weird, but I didn't say nothing because I was outnumbered, you know, it was all in there. I had like a um, kit from the doctors from the clinic where I was receiving therapy or something. I packed that up and I think I had $5 and some change to my name and I just and I had change of clothes that was out I was about to get dressed so I put that on it wasn't fancy everything was used 
um, hand-me-downs and everything. I just put that on, shoved my $5.30 or whatever it was in my pocket and got my, um, you know, medical equipment. And that was it. They wouldn't let me take nothing. So I left and I didn't have no place to go. I headed down to the train station because I heard a few people talking about that. It's like, yeah, yeah, go there. So I went down there and I hung out for a while and I was thinking, what can I do, you know, to get out the situation? I don't have really know of anyone else I can call. And then I had lost all my stuff right before I had got thrown out in storage. I lost everything and my phone book was in there. So I lost all my contacts. And most of my relatives lived out of town. And my mother, well, she was here, but I couldn't contact her at the time because we, like, broke off on a really bad note. Like, don't come around here. Like, that she just kind of shunned me. And I didn't really do anything to deserve that part. I know I didn't deserve any, but I just went along. That's my mom. She preferred I didn't, so I didn't go bother her. But I needed to contact my relatives, but I was afraid that I would get in some kind of trouble with the law or something. So I just avoided her. For a long time, I said, I'm grown. I just, I'm on my own. I just, you know, I just learned my lesson and, and get along the best way I can. But I knew I needed help. So um, I stayed at the train station for a while. And it was crazy. It was so cold. It was so cold out there. It was crazy. I went through everything just about, you know, a homeless person can go through. The only thing I didn't experience while I was homeless, was, I think, was being, um, like, sexually assaulted. Like, a lot of women, I knew, I noticed this that they look like they've been really abused. It, it might have been pre-existing or, or it was just something with them you know, mentally, whatever the reason was, I noticed it. So I would avoid certain things at night. I would hide and everything. I was real careful. Um, thank God nothing happened to me, but I did get sick and I had to have an operation. When I got out to hospital, it was a week later, they discharged me. I didn't have no place to go. So I went to the shelter and I think it was the second or third night. I kept feeling sicker and sicker because the first night something happened. I got in line and I did something wrong. So he said, you can't stay here tonight. You did this, that, and the other, the other. And it was about 30 or 40 degrees that night. It was in November. And I was real sick. And I, was, I knew I was too sick to stay out overnight. But I, I didn't know the rules there or anything. He was mean. So I left. And um, I just tried to bundle up good with the clothes that I had. And I was so cold that night, so and I felt real sick. So um, the next night I went back again, and I tried to do what he told me to do, and I made it in. So um, I was learning to fool slowly but surely. I made it in, and then um, I think that was the night when I had looked in the mirror. It was either that night or the following night. I hadn't really paid attention, but when I looked in the mirror, that was the first time I saw myself when I came out the hospital, and I felt so sick. I felt so sick and I just looked at myself in the mirror and I looked worse than I did when I was in the hospital. I said, something's not right and I don't feel good, you know? And I didn't know if it was from staying out all night or maybe they made a mistake and discharged me wrong or overlooked something or what, but I, f I felt like I was not gonna make it th through the week. So um, I just looked and I said, oh God, you're gonna die, you're gonna die. And I felt like it. I felt like that was it for me, it was over. I was like, look, you can stand here and look at this mirror and wait to die soon, or you can react. And I said, well, it's time to start reacting. <laughs> I said, starting tomorrow morning, I'm going to start jogging. And I, I tried, I got up at the crack of dawn. I left before everybody. They usually get up like 6 or 7. I was up at 5 a.m. because I see, would see people creeping out real early. I said, I'm going to do that too. And they said, are you leaving already because you got to walk past the front desk? I said, yes, I'm leaving. 
So when I got around it, then I started jogging real slow. I could barely move. I mean, I was weak and sick. And uh, I was crying. I remember crying. I said, you better do it. You're going to die. I kept tell, coaching myself, do it or die. So I got started. I just got started. I said, like, nope, I'm not going to die. I'm not, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And I just gave it a try. I said, you better keep going, you know. Coaching myself, talking to myself like that in my mind. You better just go, just move. And I started, like, motivating myself. And I started feeling better. Even though I'd be exhausted when I finished, I started feeling stronger, like I was alive again. And then one day I stood there cracking. I said, uh uh-uh, you're too sick anymore. <laughs> you know, you're going you're gonna to live, you know. And Dawn and I said, you're not going to die. You're going to live. I just stood there breathing in fresh early morning air. And I was so happy. And I was just, it was just me and the silent morning alone. And at that moment, I felt like everything was going to be okay. And um, I said, well... I just I feel like I crawled out of a grave. Like I actually, not just crawled out of um, the gutter, but like out of my grave too. So it was really hard and I did it alone. It was hard. Well, I had a man upstairs with me. I wouldn't say alone, but I had a man upstairs with me. And I did, I jogged like that for about a year. Then they threw me out of there. I was supposed to stay for about two years, but I wouldn't join their program. So they threw me out of there. And when they threw me out, I had no place to go. But at that time, I did have a little bit of money saved up from panhandling. Because t- whenever I wasn't jogging or I wasn't tired of something, I would panhandle, even if I just made a few dollars. And I said, I'll put it away. I keep put storing it, storing it. So I eventually had enough, almost enough to get like a room. So um, what had happened was I saw a friend that was at the shelter. And they said, OK, Maria, um, look, if you don't have no place to go, I know a friend, you can stay there till the end of winter because it was winter time, winter was approaching. They said they'll let us stay there to the end of the winter. So we ended up staying there for about two months, me and my friend. So I went and got a place. They gave me a little bit of money. I had only, I think it was a $100 shot. They gave me a little bit of money. I said, shoot, I'm gonna get a room. I got, that's a start. So I got the room and I ended up staying there. It was down off of 8th and Erie. And that was the first time I had um, shelter. But the scary part was when I started falling back, I had the money to move in. and um, But I didn't have, he, the guy was nice. He didn't even ha- ask me if I had income or nothing. Um, he just let me move in. I guess when you're in a boarding home, they don't care. They just let you in. Some of them don't. Some of them don't check. And he was like, kind of didn't check. And I was like, what? I got So I was like, I just gave him the money and I moved on in. But I didn't have, when I moved in, I had nothing. I had no curtains. I had no linen. I had no dishes. I didn't have nothing but a few items in my caddy. That was it. But I had a roof over my head. So again, I just sat on the bed, on the edge of the bed, looking around low. And I was hungry. Oh, I didn't have no money to get nothing to eat. I was starving. So I remember I had met a really nice lady when I was panhandling before I even started selling one step away. And, and I called her and I told her, I told her, I said, guess what? I got found a place. She said, oh, I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy. And I said, but guess what? I don't have no food. And guess what? And she said, you can come to my house and get food. Where do you live? So I told her my address. She said, oh, my God, you're so close. I was walking distance from her about six or seven blocks. So I walked to her house and she fed me and I got some food that night. And um, then my friend came over eventually. I think he came over the next day, but I had already panhandled and made a few dollars to get more food. So he came over and everything started working out slowly but surely because he went and got me. He made sure I had linen and some curtains. He was helping me. But then when the next month rolled around, I was scared because I didn't have all the money. And I was still just panhandling. And I had maybe half the rent. And this landlord didn't seem like nice like that. So... um. 
I was like, I think it was like two weeks before rent was due. I mean, if that, and I said, I got to get the rest of that money together, you know. So, um, so I remember people kept telling me, they was like, one step away, one step away. So um, check it out. And I said, oh, that vest, that neon vest thing. I said, that looks corny. I would never try that. It's got a neon vest. And it's like, yeah, but it's not corny until you try it. You got to check it out. And don't say that. I've been doing it, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not a corny person. And I said, you, you're sitting. It's like, yeah, that's why I'm telling you to try it. And so I said, okay, I said, I, don't, I said, what other options do I have? I don't have any references. I haven't worked in a long time. So I went and tried, but when I went in, I was hesitant. I was like, oh, no, I got to go in here and ask these people. I don't even know them. But, you know, I was thinking all this stuff in my head because I hadn't worked in a long time. I don't know. So I went in, didn't have any confidence, I guess. And I hadn't dealt with people in a long time. I was always just to myself. I shied the world. I was just. I figured, well, I'm catching hell by myself. I might as well just be by myself. And I was just like that, set in my ways like that, stubborn. So, I mean, it was hard. The first few steps was hard. And I asked somebody, I forget who was here. It might have been Emily. And I, and I was asking about the paper. And I was like, um, I would like to um, sign up if I can and try it. It's like, sure. Right away, it's like, sure. I was like, okay. So they asked me to come back, and I did the orientation, and I went out that very day, and they sent me out by myself. And I was, and they like, yes, like, yes, I can handle it. I'm an adult, blah, blah, blah. So when I got down there, I was nervous. I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I was just standing with the paper, watch, and I didn't know how to talk to people because I hadn't talked to people in a long time. And I'm standing there like this. Oh, no, it's people, and I got to say something. At first, I was so scared. I said, well, if you've been panhandling, you can say this to them. So I went down to the very location where I was panhandling so I wouldn't be a total stranger, which is where I still am now. And I kept going at it and practicing more and more and more until, you know, speaking with people until I got the hang of it. And, I, and then I went home one day and I thought about it. I said, you know, it's not too bad when you talk to people every day more often you know it's not as bad as you think it is you know and I was saying well maybe if I did that before it wouldn't have been as bad but I was thinking about when I was sick too you know but that that might have helped a little bit it's better than nothing but I was like okay well now I know it's working out and I like it I really really enjoy doing it I like talking to the general public every day I think if I had to sit behind a desk every day and just see the same faces come in now come and go I would lose my boring mind I love talking to different people from all nationalities I don't care who it is from young to old I don't care I just like talking to everybody now and I keep saying to even now it's in the back of my mind it's like you're not the same person you were before you used to be so quiet you wouldn't talk to people the weight came off I lost like 50 something pounds I was really buff and trim. I mean, I was buff and I wasn't eating no meat. It was all vegetables and nuts and a lot of spring water. The diet was totally different. I exercise, I go to the gym, you know, blink. So I go there like once a week, it's $15 a month, but it's worth it because I can go there. It's convenient for me whenever I can, if I can't jog early in the morning and I got to do it in the afternoon, I can go get on a treadmill. Like today is too cold. I wouldn't have tried again and jog out there now. It's too cold. <laughs> you see, I got everything on. So I would just go in there where it's nice and warm and get on the treadmill, you know, at four o'clock or three o'clock, whatever, and jog then. I'm maintaining so far. That's one thing I can say. 
is I've been maintaining my rent, which I didn't think I would be able to do, but I have been. If it wasn't for one step away, I'd be in big, serious trouble. I got whatever I have, shoes on my feet, through one step away. You know, when you're alone, I think you learn more about life, too, and about people, everything. And I'm older now. I have hobbies that keep me occupied. I do things. I like to make jewelry. I like to read. Sometimes I like watching movies. What kind of movies? Spooky, um, oldies, musicals, whatever. I like all of everything. Whatever I can find, pretty much, I watch. I make myself busy. I like cooking. And then usually by the time I get home, it's time to cook or clean. I have other things to do, you know, stuff like that. Things keep me occupied. And I have, like, I have more contacts on my phone now if I want to talk on the phone once in a while. I just want to feel free to come and go and relax. I know if I want to go home and go get, if I'm tired or I don't feel good, I can just go home and relax, you know. Thanks for listening to this episode of Heard, a One Step Away podcast. You can support our storytellers by subscribing to the podcast, leaving a review, or buying a magazine. You can also follow us on Instagram, at OSA Philly. Thanks for listening.